Welcome to a special bonus episode of the AJC Braves Report podcast. I'm Jay Black, and earlier on Tuesday morning, we took to Twitter spaces for a live discussion about where the Braves stand right now and what they're going to need at the trade deadline with myself, Justin Toscano, and Gabe Burns. And if you missed it earlier this morning, we do want to bring it back to you so you can get caught up on some of the rumors and some of the possible moves the Braves could be making and also a chance to hear some of our listeners' questions as well. Yeah, the mic quality is not quite as great as it usually is on the podcast, but I still think it's going to be worth your time and attention. So that's coming up right after this on the Braves Report, brought to you by Kroger. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. It's a week before the trade deadline, so where do the Braves stand, and what do they need to defend their title? Welcome to AJC Sports Live on Twitter Spaces on this Tuesday morning. I'm Jay Black with our Atlanta Journal-Constitution beat reporter Justin Toscano, who is on the road joining us this morning from Philadelphia. First off, Justin, welcome back to Twitter Spaces, and uh, how's uh, life up in uh, Philly at this point? It's yeah, no, it's good. Um, thanks, Jay, and thanks for everybody for joining us. Uh, we avoided a rain delay yesterday. Everything's going pretty smoothly up here, and I think uh, it should be a fun one today. We haven't done one of these since opening day, right? Was that the last one? Uh, no, we have not, and that was uh, that was a rip roaring success. We had a lot of fun talking baseball with everybody, and that's what we're going to do here again this or this morning. And also, we are joined by our features reporter Gabe Burns, who has spent several years on the Braves beat. And um, speaking of Philadelphia, Justin said he put down four uh, Philly cheesesteaks yesterday. What is your personal record, uh, Gabe, for cheesesteaks in Philly? <laughs> Probably like two. I'm skinny, man. I, 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 I'm not. I don't think. I don't know. I don't think I could eat all that. No, man. Justin's doing a great job. I'm sorry you have to be in Philly and hear the constant booing all the time. I guess they weren't booing at the end of last night, though. No, man. Wow, that was. Uh, yeah, the Boo Birds were out. I think so. The game started at 7:05, and I always take a poll in Philly, and the Boo Birds were out by 7:36 p.m. last night. Uh, but yeah, AJ Minter gave up that home run, and uh, you didn't hear any booing after that. A reminder, you can hear us talk baseball every Monday on the AJC Braves Report podcast, where you can, which you can hear on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. This morning, though, we're going to dig into what the Braves must do to catch the Mets as we start after the All-Star break. They're two games back right now. And then, of course, what's really exciting is what's going to happen on the trade deadline, which is a week from today. If this is your first time listening to us on Twitter Spaces, we want you to join in on the conversation. So if you've got any questions for Justin or Gabe, please hit the request to speak button and we will call on you. If you're shy, you can also DM us your question at AJC. So uh, let's go ahead and start uh, first, Justin, with what happened last night. And it's been a while since the Braves have lost two in a row, but that's where we're at today. Yeah, since uh, June 17th and 18th in Chicago. And that's, that's pretty impressive when you think of, I think it was 30 games in 31 days in a row to end the first half and to not lose consecutive games and they, they played some good teams in there and pretty you know tough schedule overall um kind of in that last month you know after the uh after the 14 game winning streak so yeah it, it had been a while but that was a weird one I mean anybody who watched that one um <laughs> I don't know if Matt Olson you know if he sold his soul to to somebody but I've never seen a bounce like that or a spin like that uh you had the the Braves with a swinging bunt to score a run and then gifted three other runs. Um, 
But yeah, at the end of the day, I mean, AJ Minter giving up a home run to a lefty for only the second time in his career. Uh, it was it was just a weird game as everybody, you know, around the Braves clubhouse kind of expressed. But at the end of the day, you know, you go one for seven with runners in scoring position, leave six on base in a two-run game. I mean, they, they had chances to put, really put that one away and, and they didn't do that. So that, that one's going to sting even if they did feel like they kind of controlled what they could. Um, there was still something to be left kind of on the field there. Maybe said on the podcast on Monday that the Braves needed to use this series to keep the Phillies from getting hot and just make sure they stay out of the way. They are still above 500, even though they fired one manager this season. Do you still see them as a potential threat? I mean, I don't think they're close to the same level as the Braves and Mets. So I guess from that respect, no. Uh, but certainly, I mean, they're in the conversation for the thir- for that last wild card spot. Could you imagine if the NL East had three playoff teams? I mean, that's entirely possible. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, they're – they're a solid team, but when I'm looking at teams, I guess you could talk yourself into it. Like I guess you could any team that's in this position, but you could go, okay, you know, you have Wheeler and you have Nola and you have the power in a short series, and you could kind of talk yourself into it that way. But ultimately, I just think the Braves and Mets are so much deeper. And honestly, I, I mean, we talked about this on the podcast. We talked about this on the podcast. Um, but I mean, this this Braves team is as well balanced as anybody. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. I think when you look at the Phillies, I mean, the roster on paper like looks fine. I mean, the bullpen is absolutely terrible, but otherwise it looks fine. The, the issue I have with them, though, and, and Gabe, you've watched them for years, um, and you probably know this, I trust them considerably less than I trust the Cardinals or you know any other team that could be in t- contention for a wild card. I, I like the Phillies roster probably twice as much as I like the San Francisco Giants' roster, but I trust the Giants more to play sound, smart baseball throughout the course of 162 games, and I trust the Phillies. I mean, even last night, like, they gifted the Braves, you know, three runs basically just because of their defense, um, and they, they don't make simple plays. Offensively, like, I think without Bryce Harper, it's they've still got a lot of power in that lineup, but it, it's still an issue. I mean, you look from, like, five – through nine like the guys they're playing last night um in that lineup i don't trust them as much as i trust other teams which is why i think they could certainly get hot but we've seen it like over and over and over again like aaron nolan zach wheeler basically have to go eight innings you know a start uh to really keep them in this thing and and even then i mean there's always going to be something wild that happens and i think that bullpen is really really bad um and I i think that there's a lot of things that are going to keep them maybe from even getting really hot like they were earlier in the season. I completely agree. Uh, I mean, when you don't make the playoffs for a decade, that kind of leads people to assume the worst of you, especially when you're stacked against teams like the Cardinals and now the Giants. We saw what they were able to do last year. Obviously, they're they're not coming close to replicating that again this time. But, no, I mean, it's always going to be the bullpen. The bullpen's been an issue for them for years. Uh, That's the primary reason people aren't going to trust them. You're right. This is the team that this is a team that fired its manager earlier this year. I just, I just can't put them. And I mean, look, the Mets have been a mess now too. I think what we what we have seen this year is a turnaround. Show Walter. Uh, obviously, they bought a lot of talent there, but the Braves and Mets to me are a pretty good bit above the Phillies. And yeah, I mean, the Phillies are going to be in that third wild card discussion. But you're right when it comes to 
the Brewers and the Cardinals, you know, one of those teams is going to be resorted to dealing with a wild card. And both of those teams are really good organizations who've been there recently. And it's easy to trust both of them before I would trust the Phillies. So that right. kind of brings us to part of the storyline for the, for the trade deadline is that if there's three potential teams in the National League East that could make the playoffs, there's three potential teams in the National League East fighting for players to help them get to the playoffs. And the Mets and the Phillies have made it clear they're in win-now mode. So, Justin, what is kind of the sea that the, the Braves are going to be navigating to find some help? Yeah, so 48 hours ago, you really thought that they could look at um, – you know, a quality starter, maybe not even an impact guy, just a quality starting pitcher um, toward the back end of the rotation and then a reliever or two. And then Adam Duvall goes down to freak play. And now you're looking at, you know, replacing your left fielder in a sense, because they do have Eddie Rosario, but really, you know, even after the coming back from the injured list, after the eye procedure, like he has not shown anything that would really make you confident that, he's anywhere close to being what he was you know an NLCS championship form and then they knew he wasn't going to play like that was unsustainable but just being where he was and being where he is you know his close to his track record throughout his career he doesn't look like it so I think um president of baseball operations Alex Anthopoulos is going to have a pretty interesting decision to make right Gabe because I mean on one hand you could say that well you just ride it out with Eddie Rosario maybe get a backup type of outfielder. Um, you don't spend a lot that way uh, after you in a year in which you've spent a lot of prospect capital because of the Matt Olson trade. Um, or you really look to to go big or go home. And I think uh, Alex has certainly surprised us before. And it might not be a blockbuster name, but I think they've certainly got to get somebody who's maybe you know like. Eddie Rosario level or, or better. I don't think they can really settle here. Um, whether that's Trey Mancini, um, another interesting name I've heard is Austin Hayes. Uh, I mean, I, I, Andrew Benintendi, his name's been out there, but it's just going to be interesting because I don't know if the Braves can really afford to go with like two lefties, um, you know, in that left field platoon, whatever they, they want to do. But I think, um, uh, I mean, I, I asked somebody about Jorge Soler and somebody in the industry seemed to think that that was uh, kind of doubtful, like a decent idea, but kind of doubtful just because of the contract. Um, but, like, I, I don't see Jock Peterson happening. Um, and, like, I could be proved wrong about that in 10 minutes, but I just don't see the Giants selling quite yet, one. And two, like, I think they need a righty bat more than anything. So it's going to be a really interesting case because then you look at, like, guys like Trey Mancini, um, there's going to be teams competing for him. Uh, and so it's like you look at the Braves' top prospects. I think at this trade deadline, maybe you're okay with parting with Moeller. Maybe you're okay with parting with Shoemake, um, Bryce Elder, guys who are like somewhat close to the big leagues. But, you know, like I don't see them trading Vaughn Grissom. I don't see them wanting to really part with Jared Schuster. Uh in a year with like they've they've just through the draft tried to kind of restock that farm system after losing a lot for the Matt Olson trade and it's an interesting balance because on one hand they're in win now mode and that's a big piece on you know in the lineup um, on the roster uh, but on the other they don't really want to mortgage their future for anything they don't you know see fit right so I think it's it's kind of interesting I'm curious to hear what you think Gabe about kind of the best path forward for that left field spot. 
Yeah, I think you did a really nice job of kind of laying it out why it's a really fascinating situation and kind of how they're they're limited, but they're not limited in what they can do. And what I mean by that is they're limited. In that, you know, people throw out guys like Brian Reynolds. I, I don't think those type of guys are happening for really the reasons that you already said. Uh, this is really probably your best, most expendable asset realistically is Muller. Which, you know, he's having a nice season in AAA. He's shown some, I mean, he's shown some promise. Uh, he's a guy who, you know, maybe we'll see him in the majors again. Uh, and maybe things will go better for him. But And teams are always, I mean, that's going to be appealing, right? A really tall, hard-throwing lefty. Years of control. I mean, he's, he's, he's a good asset. But I don't think they would trade Grisham either. So, when you were talking about guys like Reynolds, I'm not sure that's just realistic. Even a guy like... Uh, I tweeted with some people about this the other day, and Ian Happ was a guy brought up a lot. I mean, he was just an all-star. If the Cubs end up trading him, they're going to do pretty well there, and I'm not sure it's in the category that the Braves are going to be able to win a bidding war for a guy like that. You bring up Ben Intendi, I mean, look how many teams are going to be interested in him. We hear a lot of these AL East teams that are interested in him, and from that respect, like, again, I'm not sure that this team is positioned to – I mean, they could if they wanted to, but – best position to win a bidding war like that so i do i like what you said you know an eddie rosario type basically eddie rosario was a salary dump this team should have you know the financial ability to take on some money if they need to but an eddie rosario uh not jorge soler but a jorge soler type this team is so good at identifying these type of guys a jock peterson type these guys who are not going to cost you a prospect premium uh, so that would make a lot of sense. A guy in that ilk, uh, I, again, a back-end starter type, uh, you know, a Quintana, Cueto, that just type of player, a rental veteran who can just eat innings and help you get through the season. Uh, that shouldn't cost that much. Those, That's really what I'm looking at. They're, we all know that they're going to do something. I think we would all bet, like, everything that they're going to make a trade. Uh, and what the Adam and what the Adam Duvall injury did was was really just kind of open up possibilities as far as here's what we're looking at because as Justin laid out before that we were really talking about well you know everybody could use another reliever you know they could use another starter and now we're talking about another, a right-handed hitting outfielder. Yeah, and I think I think um, earlier you know a few minutes ago you kind of mentioned the same thing. I don't know if they want to go two lefties uh, in left field, but here's the interesting part about Andrew Benintendi. Now, there will be a lot of competition for him, but to me, just on first glance, um, you know, if you're just looking at him, the core of the player, like what he's done this season, kind of throughout his career, uh, in a power-hitting lineup that tends to strike out a ton, um, the 390 on base percentage that ranks, you know, I think eighth in the AL right now are really, really intrigues me um, for that, for that lineup. And I, th- I think that's um, something that, that would be really, really beneficial for them uh, to, to get in there and something to think about, but no, you're right, Gabe. I think um, Kyle Muller certainly is, is a name, a guy who's pitching well, a guy because of the frame, because of kind of the, how he's been hyped up in the past will be attractive for other teams in these deals. Um, but, you know, like I I can't see something really, really major. Because, like, somebody in the industry yesterday laid out a trade to me, uh, Brian Reynolds-type Reynolds trade, um, and kind of, like, asked me, like, a who says no situation and laid out, like, a bunch of Braves prospects. And to me, like, the immediate answer was the Braves say no. 
because like it was just like grissom shoot like just a ton of guy and this was just completely speculative but i'm on that same train where it's like i don't think they want to give up to mortgage their whole future in that way now the thing to ask and the key to this is like okay we're gonna find out a lot about the braves based on like what they what they do here like if they were you know to go for a brian reynolds type that that would mean that like they don't think they can spend a lot in free agency now and in the next couple of years if they were to mortgage their future like that. But I just don't think that's the case. I think they're going to be players in free agency um, this winter and then, you know, over the next couple. Uh, and so I think I, I don't, I would not see a splash like that, but I, I like the names you brought up for um, kind of the, you know, the rotation because as good as Ian Anderson has been in the postseason, you really look to shore up any cracks that you have in the roster. And I think right now, you can't rely on him just right now. You know, I'm not saying he won't turn this thing around, but a Martin Perez could be interesting. Uh, Tyler Malley could be interesting. Um, it, it's tough, though, because I don't really, like I said again, like I don't see an impact, and they probably don't need an impact acquisition there. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see how Alex really handles all of this, and he's shown an ability to do so. And like you said, Gabe, the main thing here is that everybody in baseball has the same information these days to the point where teams set up their professional scouting departments differently. Like some teams really have stripped down the professional scouting area because they feel like they can get what they need through analytics and through player profiles and different video, different things like that. Um, so they've stripped that down from really like sending people out. Uh, but the Braves are regarded as, you know, as, as good as any club at identifying talent and really piecing together a roster and i think like when alex works it's like or you know based on what i've heard it's like he's got such a good eye for not only like the now but the future and how things are going to fit he's thinking like three or four years like in the future um and so i I think like that that's a good thing right if you're a braves fan because even if it's not going to be an impact acquisition or like a name that's going to just like send waves throughout the baseball world which you know, we know Alex, like it, it certainly could be. Um, it, but even if it's not that, it's going to be somebody that probably isn't going to be like a complete flop, like somebody that probably is going to be like there for a very specific reason. We do want to welcome everybody to, to our Twitter spaces show here as we talk about what the Braves have to do with the trade deadline. And we do want to get on some of your questions too as well. So if you are just joining the conversation and want to be a part of this and want to ask Justin or Gabe anything, please hit the request to speak button and we will call on you or you can DM us at AJC. And we understand that Garrett's Knowles is the first person who has requested to speak. So we're going to go ahead and give Garrett a chance to ask you your question. Garrett, uh, please open your mic, unmute your mic and tell us where you're from and what do you got for Justin and Gabe? Hey, Jay Rodney here. Uh, Garrett dropped. But we have another person who wants to ask a question. We just invited you up. Okay, now I can see it. Yeah, my name is Thomas, by the way. Sorry, I, I didn't see who you guys were talking at first. First off, I want to say thank you guys for letting me join the space and the opportunity to speak. Uh, I was listening to some of your decisions on what should be done at the trade deadline, and I had two ideas as well. Uh, Luis Castillo, who just played against the Braves, he has less than one earned run in his last four starts. And only 24 earned runs and 13 starts this season. I wanted to ask, what do you think it would take to get, like, Castillo from Cincinnati to Atlanta? Because he could definitely be one of the top uh, 
one of the top pieces in the rotation. And another name I had was uh, Ian Happ. You got to watch what Ian Happ has been doing. Uh, Happ has been killing it for the Cubs this season. Eight for 19 since the All-Star break, and he has a 367 OBP, which would be like the best on the Atlanta right now. So I want to know what are your guys' takes on um, how you would be able to get a top-notch guy like Castillo or Ian Happ? Yeah, yeah. Thanks for the question, Thomas. Um, I think personally, like what we were talking about earlier, probably applies to Luis Castillo. Like, I don't really think you're because of the competition that's going to be out there for him or the perceived competition. Like, we never know how these things are actually going to play out. Um, I think it's like you're probably not getting in the door unless you're giving up somebody or or, or even like Grissom or Frank. Like, they're going to want major like prospect value and like guy not only like high ceiling guys but guys who are close to the the majors like obviously he's not a Juan Soto type deal where it's going to just like drain your entire farm system but I think the starting prices there might be a little too much uh to ask for the Braves um but Ian Happ's an interesting one because I think you could ser- certainly get him with like maybe one high ceiling guy and then like a couple who are close to the majors like I think their best bets are honestly like Kyle Muller and Bryce Elder in these situations like guys who you know Bryce Elder's a guy who pitched in the majors and over four or five starts like kept his team in the game pretty much every time even if the walks were an issue uh, Kyle Muller's pitching really well um, but yeah I do agree with you like I think Ian Happ would be an interesting one just because like as you know we talked about before like that that certainly fits kind of the profile um, of what they might need for the position like he's a right-handed hitter like you said high OBP guy Um and then fits kind of more into the picture um, as somebody who is not a star player, you know, but an all-star. So we'll give him that. But um, but I think he's a lot more doable for them than, you know, like somebody like even Trey Mancini or, you know, Brian Reynolds. I, I don't see that happening, but there are there is going to be a lot of competition green hat because a lot of people need bats at the deadline. Uh, and you're, you're seeing that like, you know, just from a bigger picture view, like, that's what the Mets feel they need. Like the Padres need a bat. Like everybody's kind of looking for that. And so um, I think it's, it's going to be interesting to see how the competition drives up the price for some of these people, because it may even be higher than what we're speculating now. Uh, But I don't see, I don't see Luis Castillo for the Braves, even though like, as you said, um, that's pretty tempting just because you put him at the top of the rotation and instantly they, become that much closer to the Mets uh, in that regard, because I think that's the two things separating, that's the thing separating them right now is the Mets, if fully healthy, have Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer and the Braves have Max Freed and, you know, and Kyle Wright and uh, right now. And so I think, uh, and that's not a bad thing, but I just think that some rotation help would help. And, and you're right, Luis Castillo's, you know, the best guy out there. I just don't think they're going to want to pay the prices to even get in the door on those conversations. All right, if you got a question for Gabe and Justin, please request to speak, and we will put you on. Next up is Seth. Seth, please unmute your microphone and uh, tell us where you're from and what you got. Yeah, my name is Seth. I'm from uh, Greens- from Waynesville, North Carolina. And uh, I, I listen to you, uh, Justin, you, and uh, follow this podcast. I appreciate you got what, what you guys do for the Braves. But uh, my question is, is um, I, I – I agree with uh, Molly and um, the the pack the trade with uh, Molly from the Reds. I think getting him and uh, Solano from the Reds will be good. But I think a rental type of player for the outfield would be the best bet because I think the Braves will go in big game fishing in the off season and 
and uh, get a big uh, outfield bat for the. So, so, what do you guys think about that? Yeah, yeah. Thanks for the question, Seth. And I think, um, yeah, I think that's the interesting part of it too. Like, uh, I it's tough to see any guys with like major years of control, like a rental where they wouldn't have to pay anything, makes a little more sense because I, I do agree with you. Like, I think the Braves are in position now, especially with what they've done, you know, and, and how the Freddie Freeman situation was handled uh, and Matt Olson giving them theoretically like for the years and the price, like more payroll flexibility. And um, you look at money they have coming off the books, like somebody like Will Smith, you know, almost certainly isn't going to be in the fold, like would, would just be paid the buyout and you'd save the 13 million there will be 12 million. But uh, yeah, I would say a rental player. That's, that's why that, a platoon sense of we were talking about earlier, like just a platoon situation seems a little more uh, likely to me and, and not like some huge splash or some player with like years of control, just because I, I do think the Braves are in position to, to spend this winter, uh, especially because they just reached 2 million fans. And if that even factors into it uh, with Liberty media and the budget and the payroll, they've said like, you can tell they feel very comfortable about their payroll and they've said it, you know, we'll be going up and things like that. So I do, I do agree with that, um, that it should, it's probably going to be more of a rental type, something they, they don't have to pay a lot for, uh, especially because in these situations, you certainly try to, to go big or go home, but they're not the team that really has to get, uh, you know, some sort of real like impact bat to, to fill this position. It can be somebody who just fills the role, um, you know, and fills his role as simple as that might sound. I mean, they've got such a good lineup otherwise that to me, like this isn't a complete make or break. Like they're, these guys are 36 and 11, um, you know, in the last or the 36 and 12, I think. And since June 1st, and a lot of that is without Ronald Acuna playing particularly well. So I, I think, I just think that there's, there's a lot of wiggle room here just because the team is, as Gabe said earlier, so balanced uh, that I would I would tend to agree with you, though, on like them spending, you know, being in position to spend. And so this being a more rental situation, like uh, and even like Adam Duvall, if he heals well, like could be an option for them or, you know, he's a free agent after this season. But I just think that they're probably more willing to spend on that uh, long term than they would be to trade for now. We've talked about the outfield a little bit. We've talked about starting pitching a little bit. Uh, uh... Gabe, I know that Alex Anthopoulos has built this team on the bullpen. Does there need to be an extra arm in this bullpen for the stretch? You could always use one. I think any team would tell you that. And it wouldn't surprise me at all uh, if they went out and still got another guy. I think one thing thing I meant to mention earlier uh, when Justin and I were kind of laying all this out is Alex has made multiple trades at, I think, three of his four deadlines. Uh, the one he didn't was 2020 with Tommy Malone. <laughs> we all kind of remember that was that was a, a dud. Uh, the big trade that deadline was Clevenger to the Padres, which turns out that trade wasn't great either. Um, so when you're looking at this, like if there's one GM who you can really kind of trust, who's going to make multiple moves and get something done with you know to address multiple needs or weak points, it's Alex. Uh, so honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if. I mean, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if his only move was just an outfielder and a you know random bullpen arm or something. But also, like, wouldn't be that surprised if he ended up addressing the rotation, the bullpen, and the outfield, just because 
and that doesn't I mean he's not going to be paying you know a huge price for that for those guys but just because he's shown in the past that he can do that and we saw him trade for four outfielders last July um, and then there was Richard Rodriguez too who we don't really bring up I mean he did have a nice stretch there at the beginning uh, it all fell apart afterwards but he did help their bullpen out for a little while there so Alex is a guy who's he's really aggressive and he's going to make multiple trades so again like when we talk about they could use something here they could use something there I mean I think the odds are generally pretty good that he's going to address more than one spot here but at the same time you know you asked about the bullpen I just yeah I mean of course they, they could use another guy but right now the uh the, the focus should be on the outfield and the rotation because to me those are bigger needs all right next question is from Landon Landon please uh, unmute, unmute your microphone and what you got for Justin and Gabe um I I have a question um I don't think we really need I mean I think we could add like another outfielder to the block but um other than that I think a couple other bullpen guys would do it and um stuff like that but um they say I saw something the other day that said something about like getting Brandon Jury or something like that and stuff but you know Looking at something here, um, I don't know, but it's something with y'all that Ronald looks off. It looks like, I don't know, he's not been on it like he has been in the past, and I don't know where he's at. I went to a game last Friday, and I watched him, and he didn't—he he ain't playing like everybody shows him out to be. Justin, what uh, what have you been kind of hearing and, and seeing about Ronald? Obviously, his funk is noticeable, but uh, it's not gonna last forever. Yeah, no, he's. I mean, he's like still gonna be one of the top five talents in baseball, and that's that's why I think it it could turn. But uh, I did a story a few days back where I talked to Ron Washington, who's kind of like this omnipotent presence in uh in baseball, uh, and he actually made a couple good points about just how Ronald's never failed before and how. You know, he's got five tools, and those are always going to be there, but he's kind of played on his talent to this point. Now he's got to do it, like, mentally, and now he's got to figure that out. And, and that wasn't Wash taking a shot. That was more just, like, young guys take time to, to figure these things out. And you, <laughs> If you look at Ronald's numbers this year, they're bad for Ronald, but they're still above average um, for, for anybody else. And I think, uh, to me, the more concerning part is, like, I guess just from like, I don't know how it feels to tear your ACL and then be back a year later to try to make these same plays. But to me, it seems like he's just not making the plays in the outfield that uh, we're accustomed to seeing him make. And maybe there's been a little more sloppiness out there. You know, I don't want to dive into his head because he says he feel good. He feels good defensively. And uh, he was asked point blank the other day, whether he's playing up to his standard defensively. And he said, yes. Um, but I, I just wonder if maybe the the knee injury still in his mind uh, a little bit um you know which would which would be okay just because i think like and i think you know if you look at the metrics like defensive run save wise it's it's, it's pretty bad right now for him but uh that's the sort of thing that's just going to turn because he's so athletic out there he's got the makings of a great outfielder he's fine um whether he's taking his offense to his defense who knows? Like you could argue that that might be the case, um, but they're winning without him. I, I think it's going to turn. Like I think he's just too good of a player. Uh, I mean, if you look at his baseball savant page, a lot of the 
you know, like his hard hit rate, uh, his average exit velocity, things like that, or maybe, you know, a little lower than what they've been for him, but they're still pretty high, like uh, up in, you know, the high percentile for Major League Baseball. So I, I think it, it it's going to turn, but it does look a little weird right now. Like he doesn't look like the same Ronald. There's a little less energy. Uh, you can tell he's pressing a little bit, um, but he's still young. And I think like this is the first time, uh, like Wash told me, that he's actually – failed like he said he's just wash said he's just searching you know he's got the tools but he's just searching and i think it could be that you know a lot of times like you know and it might take him the whole season to figure this out is what wash said like he said that you know not that he was saying it was going to take that long but if it does he'll be better for it uh but it was just he seemed to think it was just the first time you know this guy's ever failed baseball field or for an extended stretch and he's just not used to it he's figuring out that adjustments um and this is all coming from Wash, that adjustments take sometimes three or four days. <laughs> and Wash asked me rather rhetorically, like, do you think somebody like Ronald Acuna has got three or four days to be patient? Um, and I was like, no. And he goes, no. <laughs> so so I think um, – I, I, I do think it's just – it's going to turn at a certain point, but I would agree with Landon. Uh, I think it looks, it looks kind of weird right now, and it just to me is like – He's just not making the plays in the field that maybe we're accustomed to seeing him make, but he looks a little, uh, I don't want to say timid, just a little hesitant out there. Uh, and Whether that's due to the knee or something else, uh, who knows. Um, but, yeah, he, I, I, like I said, I expect it to turn. I'm not super worried about Ronald Acuna right now just because he's always going to be one of baseball's, you know, top seven, you know, if not five talents. So I think it, I think it'll turn eventually, but – it does look a little weird right now, um, but if you're the Braves, you know, they won a World Series without him last year, and they're winning, you know, without him right now. So, you know, if he gets hot, it's going to be a boost. All right, real quick, one more question before we have to run off here. Seth Harden, you're up next. Seth, go ahead and unmute your mic, and uh, real quick, what's your question for the guy? Yeah, Gabe or uh, Justin, um, I think Kirby Yates coming back, I think that would uh... – give us the bullpen arm that we would need but uh also do you think uh alex would uh view heredia as like a chemistry guy that he would be safe or do you think he would go into adding maybe two outfielders instead of one like he did last year and look at it as like a multiple you know adding outfielder type of ad or do you think heredia is kind of like the chemistry clubhouse safe type of uh player on the team yeah, Seth, that's a really, really good question. Um, and Gabe, I want you to unmute yourself so you can answer after me because you've covered him for, for longer. Though I guess, I mean, if you look at it, I mean, I we've, we've both covered Guillermo Heredia. But um, Alex is really, really big on chemistry, like really big on chemistry. And it goes back to when he was the GM in Toronto. Um, and he, like at the beginning of his career, and, and he's told me this like on the record, it's just that, he was probably like 80-20 talent to chemistry when he first put together teams in Toronto. And he was saying that it just did not work. Like at a certain point, like team wasn't winning games. When things got bad, like they weren't able to pull themselves out of ruts. Just everything was going wrong in that regard. Um, and so he's been pulled a lot more toward like closer to even. Like obviously no president of baseball operations is ever going to tell you that chemistry matters more than talent. Like it's, it's still going to be talent. You have to have good players. But I think Guillermo Heredi is probably that type of guy that's going to be safe because of what he brings uh, from a chemistry perspective. Like, just like, like kind of how he keeps the clubhouse loose, how he's loose in the dugout, 
how he plays his role. And like that, I mean, I think that like kind of that last spot on a roster, like that 26 man is like not going to play very much or that's how you draw it up. So that person, you know, if you have a good roster, that person doesn't play very much. So it doesn't really hurt them uh, in general. So that's why I think the the Braves probably go for one outfielder. Um, but yeah, because I just think that Guillermo Heredia is a, a good chemistry guy. Cause I mean, you just look at like the raw numbers eight for 63 this year. Like he's only gotten 63 at bats. Uh, they have had chances to remove him from the roster or like, you know, and because his performance, you know, probably isn't going to, he's not, you know, not a great defender, you know, not a good hitter. Um, but he does give you speed. He gives you the chemistry aspect. I think he's probably safe because of that. And I think there are certain guys who are like that and that's why I think it's you know it's who of you to ask that question because I just think it's um it's smart yeah it's a smart thought and Alex is really big on chemistry and I think this is one of those pieces that because of how he brings guys together especially the Spanish-speaking guys and what he does to keep the clubhouse loose and how he brings energy like I think he's a guy that's probably safe on that roster based on at least what I know about Alex's history yeah and you know the Rays love Heredia too uh, nothing but great reviews from Tampa Bay about him. Everybody loved him. Uh, so he's he's huge for chemistry. You're right. Alex really values that. We see this in sports, not just baseball, in all sports, when the chemistry is off with teams. I mean, look at what happened to the Brooklyn Nets, right? Uh, so we see this all the time with these teams that <clears throat> are really talented, but if the connection's not there, it falls apart. The Braves, one thing they've done – They've done an exceptional job with that, really, since Alex has been here. Uh, not many bad, bad eggs here. A lot of that credit goes to Snit, too. He's a big culture guy. Obviously, he kind of sets the tone. Some of these players they've had here, uh, even obviously with Freddie Freeman before he was gone, and now you have guys like Dansby, Darno, even Riley, who I think is going to grow into more of a leadership role as he ages. I, I, and then you have Heredia, who just everybody loves. Everybody loves having him around. He keeps guys loose. And that's a big part of it, too, especially over the course of a long season like this. So, yeah, I mean, I think you laid it out really well with him. I think he's safe. I think he's somebody that, uh, you know, he that, <clears throat> excuse me, that they just really value, obviously, beyond uh, the on-field production. He's, he's a good guy to have around. Uh, and they love having him around, and there is a tremendous amount of value in what he brings. Yeah, yeah, and to kind of wrap that up, I think it's like you need those guys, kind of last men on the roster guys, to just fill their roles and be happy doing it. And, like, I mean, we're around him, you know, per- pretty often, not as much as actual teammates are, but I-, I think he's a guy that his really his mood and his attitude hasn't dropped, even if he's only gotten 63 at-bats through 98 games this season. So I just think it's it's a guy that, he's a guy that in that spot is not going to be detrimental to you. He's providing something. And that's simply what you're looking for. If he's not going to play that much anyways. Now, before we go, if you are not a subscriber to the Atlanta journal constitution, we do have a sale for you. It's just for Braves fans, half off our regular offer right now. You can get the next eight months of unlimited digital access to the AJC for just 39 99. That is one twenty-five a week. If you want to join the community, go to subscribe.ajc.com slash season pass. That is subscribe.ajc.com slash season pass so you always know what's going on with the Braves. So, Gabe, Justin, thank you guys for uh, go ahead and teeing us up. It's going to be a, a fun week here as we inch forward to the trade deadline. And, Justin, what are you working on that uh, subscribers can read from you online and in the newspaper? 
Yeah, a story on Ron Washington for the off day. So that'll be fun. It's always a good conversation with Wash. So we'll have that story on Thursday. And then a lot of that conversation in the podcast too, right, Jay? I think we can tee that up. Yep, well, we'll have the podcast for you out on Monday. Get it on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. That's the Braves Report. And Gabe, what's up next for you? Yeah, so I might do something on the Braves ahead of the trade deadline. Next few days for me, uh, the Falcons are opening training camp. So I will be in lovely flowery branch to see this team get ready to play a season in which they're going to be like 4-13. and 13. So looking forward to that. <laughs> All right, that's where we will uh, pause the Twitter Spaces episode here. We do want to remind you that we do have the Bowtie Chronicles with uh, D. Orlando Ledbetter covering the Atlanta Falcons. Our Falcons podcast comes out every Wednesday during the offseason, so if you haven't been listening, check that out uh, when you get a chance. And remember, the Braves Report comes out every Monday as well. It is presented to you by Kroger. We will see you next time on the Braves Report for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. When you're looking for leading cardiac treatment, look to Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with five emergency cardiac care centers, so we're here when you need us most. We lead with more than 55 locations in Georgia. That means we're always in the heart of your neighborhood. We lead with clarity, because clear direction is better when it comes to understanding every step of your treatment. Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with heart. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC.